This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Technology companies and car companies are working together to reimagine accessible taxis. Cruise revealed the prototype of a custom-built, wheelchair-accessible, self-driving robo-taxi. I know a lot of buzzwords there. I'll go for that one more time for you. The company is called Cruise, and they revealed the prototype of a custom-built, wheelchair-accessible, self-driving robo-taxi. The rectangular van is essentially a small bus. The vehicle lowers to the curb. There's an automatic ramp, plus two securement options for people who use a wheelchair. Then, of course, there is the self-driving component. The prototype caught the attention of Marco Pasqua. Marco is the co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. Hey, good morning, Marco. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing? Marco, I'm doing fantastic. I know you uh, traveled to Toronto this weekend and you whirlwinded your way back to British Columbia. But why'd this robo-taxi catch your attention? Well, I think, you know, Dave, I've always had a fascination for technology in general, but also accessible transportation. I've talked a lot about it here on the show. And when I saw that Cruise was going to be unveiling this, I thought, wow, that's really cool that they're going to be doing this. But obviously, I do have some question marks around, you know, the feasibility of this, the safety of this. Mm. Um, But I just thought it would be worth opening up a conversation with you. I love talking about transit and transportation, Marco. It's such a vital piece of the inclusion and disability question, and also modern transportation just for everybody, right? It's like the definition of inclusion across the board. So I was struck by the design of the vehicle itself, essentially a rectangular minibus. Maybe not the most (laughs) uh, curvy or beautiful car in the world, but it struck me as really utilitarian and functional because of that rectangular design. How do you think this van slash taxi design could end up becoming a template? Well, I think uh, really it's important to understand that we want to have the space that is needed for people who use mobility devices and other devices to get around. I mean, so I think that by having the right size of a vehicle, depending on an individual's uh, power wheelchair, for example, this might mean that it's a little bit more spacious, less chance that they're going to run into issues if they're trying to go in the taxi by themselves. Mm. Uh, They're not going to accidentally topple over by going on the side. And it makes it really easy for them to lock themselves in place. Now, I did read on the article that for manual chair users, they may want to go with an attendant because there is, you know, straps that need to be strapped on, whereas a power chair user apparently can go with certain models and have themselves locked right in and sent to their destination. But the ultimate thing here is just the autonomy and the freedom of being able to hopefully do this independently. So I do hope that this sets the bar for other vehicles and other providers to think, hey, why didn't we think of this first? It's just yeah. it's so much better than just delivery services. We can deliver people hopefully safely to their destination yeah from a design perspective to say that the vehicle is automatically going to lower and the ramp is going to deploy automatically Mm -hmm. again that might sound like a really basic concept but that is not the case in current accessible vehicle technology 
It is not. In fact, it is really challenging. Sometimes uh, I look at, you know, accessible taxi uh, drivers and the, the size that they give when they know they have to, oh, okay, I got to pick up another passenger with a disability. Like not everyone that I experience, but definitely it almost seems like they don't necessarily love aspects of their job. And so maybe if you're doing this with a robo taxi, you're not going to get any flack or any size back at you simply because you want to utilize their service. So I do think that that technology is amazingly cool. And if it works well, then it does mean that somebody could just go out to their curb, get into the vehicle and go, right? And I think mm. that that's ultimately where we want to be. I mean, we want to be able to be hands-free, have the independence, and not necessarily have to have a driver's license to move around quickly in our various cities and communities. Marco, I have uh, shouted from the rooftops for years now about the potential for self-driving vehicles from my very yes. own selfish, legally blind perspective that one day I would love the freedom to be able to uh, get my own car, to get myself around and not depend on the kindness of other people or uh, one train a day that goes to Kitchener, Ontario to get me to a wedding next weekend. But, <laughs> so I see a lot of potential in self-driving vehicles. What kind of potential do you see in self-driving vehicles? I mean, I see uh, a world of potential. I mean, honestly, we've been seeing this in sci-fi movies for years now, and it's actually starting to become a reality. Granted, I know there's a lot of regulation, and uh, actually Cruz says they're going to be starting a closed course testing as early as next month, okay? And so if this passes, there's, there's a new bill in the states that is expected to pass, and if it does, it could open the floodgates for vehicles like this to be on the road. However, I do want to preface this with we do need to make sure we're triple checking safety uh, yeah. because a user, when I mentioned I was going to be doing this story uh, this morning, did tell me that there potentially is certain crash reports that go unreported. Um, and I'm not sure if, and that I'm not sure if that's just crews or, or companies like this, mm -hmm. if they're trying to, you know, push it through regulation. But I do, for the safety of my friends, family members, loved ones, and myself, want to make sure that thorough testing is done. But I am so excited, Dave. I'm an optimist. So I'm so excited at the potential. Yeah, I would actually tell you, based on where my brain was at about self-driving vehicles in 2017, that it actually hasn't moved as fast as I thought it would because of some of those totally. uh, crash incidents and unreported <laughs> crash incidents as well. I shouldn't giggle, I shouldn't laugh, but like it, it just it makes <laughs> me laugh. Um, but that, yeah. that's also where I land a little bit here because you and I are obviously very um, optimistic about the potential here, but there are some downsides. And when I hear about a driverless accessible taxi service, it just doesn't strike me as the best idea from a safety point of view, or if someone actually yeah. does require a little bit of assistance or something goes wrong with the vehicle, the ramp, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, what's, if something goes wrong with the individual who's utilizing the service, what if they do need that extra support? Uh, there's no one there. Maybe there is a, a help feature where you can yell help or you can do something to indicate to a real person somewhere in a dispatch station that you need extra assistance. But I do think we need to figure out those details first before we fast track this in any kind of way. But I am excited because I think it's about time that we start to push forward with the idea of autonomous vehicles for everything that you said, Dave, that independence and that freedom for those who don't have the option uh, to drive themselves. And I want you to be able to go more places than just catching one train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, the uh, times for this Kitchener train on the weekend are not too bad, but then I've got to figure out how to get from Kitchener to Blythe, Ontario. Still, still working on that aspect with uh, five days to yeah. go. So uh, we'll, we'll, oh we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way. <laughs> we'll find a way. It's like in Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. Uh, <laughs> it does. And so does Dave. And so does Dave. Uh, Marco, let's yeah. switch gears here. 
no pun intended, sure. but the Cerebral yeah. Palsy Association of British Columbia has a pretty awesome fundraiser going on, super, super creative. So how are they leveraging rock, paper, scissors, rock, paper, scissors into a fundraiser? Yeah, so Rock, Paper, Scissors, it's a loving uh, childhood game that we've all played uh, throughout the years, I'm sure. And so we're calling it the uh, RPS4, the number four CP challenge. And really what it is, it's our version potentially of the Ice Bucket Challenge as you were as it was a couple of years ago. We want something to go viral. As you know, I'm the provincial spokesperson for the Cerebral Palsy Association of BC. And essentially what it is, is you go out there, you challenge a friend, family member, or loved one to a classic game, Rock, Paper, Scissors, best out of three and the person who is defeated by the uh by the individual who challenged them actually has to donate twenty dollars towards the cerebral palsy association uh in their honor and it there isn't there is even a button that says in the honor of on the website now if you're not able to do rock paper scissors in the traditional way through the website we also have digital ways in which you can play by clicking a button um, or using an app so everybody should be able to play with it play in this challenge and I'm really excited about it because it's all leading up to World CP Day on October 6th. And so this is very important to me, uh, you know, raising awareness, but also raising funds, much needed funds mm -hmm. for the Cerebral Palsy Association of BC and for individuals with CP around the world. Marco, you mentioned the Ice Bucket Challenge. At this point, how important is creativity in fundraising? I mean, it's crucial, right? I think everything has already been done at this point. Now, everyone after Ice Bucket Challenge tried to do similar things for years to come. I think we all took a beat for a moment because people were fatigued by challenges like this. But I do think that we need to get creative because so many charities are going after the same fundraising dollars, right? And so if you want to catch the eye of somebody, you got to do something that is quick, easy to do, uh, easy to understand, but gets the message out. And most importantly, the funds where they need to be. And so this is where the RR RPS for CP challenges there. Um, for people who want to participate, we encourage them to tag um, the Cerebral Palsy Association of BC. Uh, you can go to uh, rps4cp.com and they will actually take you to the page to do this, as well as using the hashtag rps4cp, uh, the number four that is, uh, on any of your social media posts that you're doing this. So, Marco, I say you and I uh, play a best yes. of three round of rock, paper, scissors here to raise funds for the Cerebral Palsy Association of British Columbia as part of the oh, RPS4CP challenge. And uh, hopefully we can get this up on uh, social media after the show today. So Marco, because there's it. a little bit of TV blocking in here, let's just make sure our hands are both visible up on screen. So I got my hands up, you got your hands up. Okay, and we're gonna yep. do rock, paper, scissors. We're not gonna say shoot. We're gonna reveal on scissors, got it? Yep. Okay, so round one. Okay. Here we go. Rock, paper, rock, paper scissors. scissors. Oh, we both got we rock. Both went rock, so that's a draw on the first one. Okay. okay. Rock, rock, paper, paper scissors. 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 We both got scissors. <laughs> we're scissoring each other. Oh, boy. Okay, all right. Okay, so here we go. Now okay. we're, we're doing best of three. This is winner takes all right here. This is this winner is takes it. all, this the whole it. operation. Okay, here we go. Okay. Rock. Rock. Paper. Paper. Scissors. Scissors. You I got rock. And I got scissors, and Marco wins. Woo! Marco, after the show, I will uh, hop onto the app. You and I can coordinate, and I will be making a $20 donation to the Cerebral Palsy Association of British Columbia. Yeah. And, of course, uh, hopefully we can get this posted up on social media after the show ahead of October the 6th. Now, Marco, people can start doing this right now, though, right? Like the, the campaign has already begun? 
Yeah, we're doing a soft launch as of today. Uh, and so we do encourage people to go over to rps4cp.com and start to do the challenge. It's very easy. Tag us like you would anything else in social media using that hashtag. Um, and we encourage everyone to share the fun. Uh, you know, we've already got some celebrities involved. I believe my colleague maybe actually did this with David Foster already, uh, uh, international composer. So uh, we're really, really excited that people are starting to get on, on board with this. And we want to see all the videos and things pouring in right on marco thank you for this amazing work as always i'm glad you had safe travels back and forth to toronto talk to you in a couple weeks sounds good man talk to you soon that's marco pasqua co-founder of meaningful access consulting in 60 seconds alex Smythe will have the weather story of the day but first here is canadian press reporter Lori paris with your morning business minutes Investors are hoping for a bounce back by Canada's main stock index to start the trading week. The S&P TSX Composite Index dropped 11 points to 19,779 on Friday. Markets stateside also start the week in the red in New York. The Dow Jones Industrial Average sank 106 points to 33,963. The S&P 500 Index fell 9 points to 4,320, while the Nasdaq Composite was down 12 points at 13,211. Shares in Asia are mostly lower, with Tokyo the only major regional market to advance after Wall Street. Street wheezed to more losses with its worst week in six months. Worries over China's property sector, a U.S. government shutdown, and the continued strike by American auto workers were weighing on investor sentiment. Japan's Nikkei climbed by 276 points to close at 32,678. South Korea's Kospi lost 12 points to 2,495. And our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 74.19 cents U.S., virtually unchanged from Friday's close of 74.20 cents U.S. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Lori Paris. Thank you very much, Lori. Let's get to Alex Smythe and the weather reports. So, Alex, as I was walking into work this morning, I thought to myself, hmm, the grass is looking a little bit brown. Turns out uh, it hasn't rained in Toronto in a minute. Yeah, Dave, uh, in not just in Toronto, but a lot of uh, Ontario and parts of Quebec, it's been a bit of a dry spell uh, for Toronto specifically. It marks the 13th straight day without any precipitation within the city. And this long stretch is highly unusual for the month of September. And the trends are suggesting this is going to continue as we make our way into October. So this is the longest stretch this entire year of we have gone without rain in the area. And so there is a ridge of high pressure that is actually building over Ontario and into Quebec. And what that means is that ridge is going to bring conditions similar to what we've already been experiencing. Very calm so not a lot of weather activity sunshine not a lot of cloud cover and as an extension of that not a lot of rain so it means it's going to be very pleasant going forward but in terms of how little rain we've gotten so far this month in the month of september toronto has only had 9.4 millimeters of rain now to put that into context the average for toronto for september is 67 millimeters so we are only like about 18 percent of what the average should be and with this ridge that's coming into place there's not really much a chance that we're going to meet that average amount of rainfall so uh basically for the next few weeks into october expect more sunny conditions cloud-free conditions so you don't need to worry about packing an umbrella 
you can get out, enjoy clear skies, both during the day and at night, Dave. Very good. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up after the break, The Little Mermaid is making a splash on Disney+. Plus. Entertainment critic Michael, not Michael McNeely, it's Amy Amanti will offer up a review on the live-action remake of the beloved animated classic. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.